Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. World, Amen. If you have your Bibles and will stand with me, let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. Read our key verse for this series. Thank you so much for uh, indulging me in that old Rusty Goodman song. I hope it, uh, I hope it made sense to you. Those are, those are old country gospel songs. They tell a story. Amen. But if you've had somebody that's went to heaven, I think it makes sense to you. Amen. Verse number 27 of John, uh, verse 26 of John chapter uh, 10. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Neither my Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And once again, in case you were wondering if Jesus has a hand and then his Father has another set of hands, he finished it up in verse 30 and said, I and my Father are one. There's only one set of hand. My hand is my Father's hand. My Father's hand is my hand. Amen. And we're going to talk about tonight, amen, knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. Anybody really want to know the will of God here tonight? Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We thank you for this Bible study tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the presence that we feel in this place that gives us joy and strength and hope and peace. I thank you, Lord, for this past Sunday, how we began our week knowing that you, the King of eternity, came and dwelled among us to save us from our sin. Open our understanding in this Bible study tonight. Touch us, touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Amen. We've went on this series uh, for several weeks now. And uh, we have talked about knowing the will of God. Obviously, it's up screen. We've been talking about knowing the will of God and how that knowing the will of God is not a difficult thing, but how that God desires for you to know his will. He does not shroud his will for you in mystery. And uh, there's, there's a whole lot of um, um, trying to find a polite word to say about these kind of people. Uh, they're basically psychic hotlines with a cross that'll try to tell you your, the will of God for your life. Um, but, but the will of God is easy to know. Jesus said in John 10, he said, my sheep, they, they, they hear my voice. They, they know my voice and I know them and they follow me. We spent weeks talking about the difference between uh, that, that we know the voice of the shepherd. Everybody say, I know his voice. Number two, he knows me. And number three, that I must follow him. Amen. And so it's, it's uh, knowing the will of God is not as difficult as the enemy would think, uh, make us think it is because if we don't know the will of God, then, or we have no confidence in the will of God, then the, the enemy is able to lead us astray ever so slightly at a time. This is why the Bible talks about our hearts not condemning us. Amen. 
Because if our hearts condemn us not, then have we what? Confidence toward God. And so when he's talking about our hearts not condemning us, he's talking about our flesh, our, our flesh and our heart not condemning us so that we can have confidence toward God. And what confidence? The confidence in the will of God. Now let me ask, and, and this is one of those rare times I'm going to have a show of hands. Let me ask here tonight, has anybody ever not been confident in God's will for your life? Praise God. About every hand went up. And, amen. <laughs> there have been times in my life I have not been confident about God's will for my life. Yes, sir. Amen. amen. Like the man, uh, maybe I told the story, like the man who fell off the cliff and was hanging on to a little root hanging out the side of the canyon. and He prayed and he screamed out, God help me. It's 2,000 feet to the rocks below. God, please save me. And a voice from heaven said, I love you, son. Let go of the, let go of the, the limb. And the man got confused and he lifted up his voice and started screaming again. He said, God, I love you. I don't want to die on this stinking cliff. Please send somebody to help me. Rescue, tell me, God, what do I need to do? And a voice from heaven spoke again. I love you, son. Have confidence. Trust me and let go of that limb. Man looked down 2,000 feet below him. is nothing but rocks. He lifts up his voice again, and he screams, God, please, I need you to help me. And the voice speaks back and says, let go of the limb. And so he lifts up his voice, and he cries and says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Maybe not you, but there have been times I've wanted to say something along the same lines. Anybody want to help God out with this one? Gabriel. Help me out here. Moses, you still got his ear? Talk to him. I don't like this. But God's will for my life is not determined by, by whether I like it or not. Or even if it's easy or not. Oftentimes the will of God will lead us into the valley of the shadow of death as we talked before. Because he's the good shepherd. Amen. It's, it's not the valley of the shadow of death, amen, that we should fear as much as his rod and his staff that should comfort us. Amen. And it's easy to say it's another thing to live. It's one thing to tell it. It's another thing to do it. And so we have to be confident in that he is our shepherd. He knows us. We know his voice and we follow after him. Somebody say, I follow after him. Amen. And, and so then, then we go... Um, into talking about uh, God's will for our life and then, and then following after that will and having confidence to follow after the will of God and the purpose of God. And so we jumped all over um, Ephesians and we, or, or Galatians and then we jumped over into Romans and we talked about um, the knowing the will of God and we talked about how that Paul writes to the church in Rome about God's will for their life and then he talks about in Romans 12 and he says that he, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, that you might be able to prove that which is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. And be not conformed unto this world, rather. Uh, be not conformed unto this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove that which is the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. 
And so that understanding that knowing the will of God and following the will of God is one thing, but to follow the will of God, we must present our bodies a holy sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, living holy is a part of that. We talked about that one week, and that was so important to understand. You know, the, 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 the more confusing the will of God gets sometimes is, is because more of us is getting off the altar than getting on the altar. Okay? When, when most of us, when a lot of me is getting off the altar and only some of me is on the altar, then the willing of God, will of God can get really, really confusing. You know, we sing that song, take my hands, take my feet. Uh, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Well, he wants more. You got to put more in your hands than your feet on the altar. Some people need to put their tongue on the altar. Some people need to put their ears on the altar. Need to put their mind on the altar. Matter of fact, just put it all on the altar. He said he wants all of us. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And, and that living this Christian walk is a life of holiness or sanctification or a separation uh, from sin. Now, um, I know that's not a popular topic, uh, but we don't, we don't follow trends of even trends of Pentecost. Amen. We want to be saved. And to be saved is to live holy as God has called us to live holy. And then knowing that, then I can know the will of God for my life. If you can know the will of God in the little things for your life, you can know the will of God for the big things in your life. God, is it my will to slap my boss tomorrow morning? Don't need to pray about it. Don't slap your boss. God don't want you to slap your boss, okay? Pretty simple. If you can start following those little steps, and some of you are going, little steps? Have you met my boss? It's a big thing to not slap my boss. And I know some of you are struggling with that, even especially because you're self-employed. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so if you can follow the will of God in the little things, uh, then following the will of God in the big things, or, or should I say in the easy things. Let's not quantify it by, by size because what, what is small for you may be big for me. Uh, but in the, in the little things, in the simple things, you learn the journey of living in the will of God. That is the purpose of God for your life. I'm going to go somewhere with this tonight. Uh, that purpose that God has for your life to follow him. But you cannot follow God in, in the magnificent. You cannot know the will of God in the grandiose or, or be a part of that uh, in, in its complexities and its enormity and its, and its magnanimity if you can't follow God in the little things, in the simple things. Pastor, God's going to use me greatly one day. Well, I believe that. God's going to use me greatly. I'm going to do great things for God. Okay, I believe that. You might want to start being faithful to church. God's going to use me greatly, Pastor. I believe I'm going to do great things. Awesome, I believe that. Start with prayer life. I mean, hi, Pastor, I had a dream. I was preaching to tens of thousands. Awesome. I'm going to believe God for you with that. Might ought to be faithful when you're tithing. I'm going to go do missions work overseas. I'm going to reach millions. Okay. Might want to start teaching home Bible studies here. Amen. But no, I want that. You don't get that until we do this. Amen. God's a God of process. And God's a God of order. Yes, sir. Amen. He's, he's got a process that we, 
he has for our life. See, see God, God rarely tells us the process before he tells us the ultimate goal he has for us, right? He's going to, tell jo- he's going to show Joseph what? The moon and stars bowing down before him in the sun, right? He shows Joseph. Can anybody remember the dream Joseph had about being in prison? Huh? Does anybody remember that? Remember when he woke up in the middle of the night, sweating and panting and grabbing his chest, saying, Mama, Mama, I had a dream that there was this crazy woman that was trying to sleep with me, and, and she lied on me, and I got through. And he didn't, God never showed him that stuff. Not one time. He only showed him what was going to be of his life. And you had to wonder if Joseph in Potiphar's house thought, am I in the will of God if I'm in slavery by my own brethren? Y'all with me? Am I in the will of God? And then he's got some middle-aged hussy all over him. Amen. Hussy, roughly translated, is a very a woman with very loose morals, to say the least. And every time he comes in the house from working, you know, she's got a glass of sweet tea for him. Right? With a little lemon in it. I don't know if they had sweet tea back in Egypt. Let's just pretend they did. I I think they did. How else did they build that pyramid, right? Somebody got up there and Dangled a Luzanne tea bag and said, if y'all finish it, I'll make some sweet tea. Man, they just put that thing together. <laughs> and she's running his fingers, her fingers through his hair and twisting his little 17-year-old curls, wiping his brow. And, oh, oh, I'll be your sugar mama. See, y'all, some of y'all act like the Bible is, that, that's a fact. Hey, I, And she, she had the hots for that young man. She was on fire. And she was going to do everything she could to make that her new toy. And Joseph is a teenage boy away from home. Joseph could have said, God, is it your will for me to turn this woman away? Lord, if you didn't want me to be with this woman, you wouldn't have given me these urges. Lord, if you didn't want me to be with this woman, you wouldn't have made me feel like this. Y'all listen to me. Now, y'all ladies, y'all can check out. I don't know if you'll get this. Men, he was a teenage boy away from home. With no mama, no daddy, nobody saying right or wrong. And a beautiful woman was draped over him like a cheap suit. All you women are going, oh, poor Joseph. Oh, what a strong young man. All the guys are remembering being a teenager going, that's a walking on water miracle right there, son. You're awesome, Joseph. Everybody else wants to get to heaven and talk to Moses. Most of us men are going to walk up to Joseph and go, how in the world did you, I mean. Come. That was a, di- y'all with me? Because Joseph's going, but God, 
You know, he goes, hey, God, it's your will. Just, just, I'm lonely. He, he was more than lonely. I'm lonely, God. You want me? I, you, surely you wouldn't care one time. That's not what he said. He pushed that woman away. He said, no, ma'am. I, here's what he said. I cannot do this thing unto my God. I'm going to tell you, a teenage slave boy has a whole lot more conviction in a God that he believes in and he had no Bible to even believe it than a lot of Christians that are filled with the Holy Ghost have. And he lost, second, he lost his second coat. He couldn't keep clothes on. She ripped the coat off of him. Lies and says, oh, he, he tried to rape me. They throw him in prison. He could have been in prison going, God, if you really, what about my dreams? What about it? But he stayed faithful. Because I'm going to tell you, yes, God gave him a vision of the palace. But he wouldn't let him realize the actualization of the prophetic palace until he had walked through the pit and lived in the prison. So the will of God is never going to take you a straight line the quickest way between two points. The will of God, hey, how many believes God's got a sense of humor? You want to hear God laugh? I'm going to give you this homework assignment. Go home tonight if you want to hear God laugh and tell God the plans for your life. You're going to hear God giggle. Right? Because his ways are not my ways. His thoughts, not my thoughts, the Bible says. Right? Amen. So I've got to know the will. Of, and know that the will of God sometimes is going to take me through some tough things. The will of God's going to take me. I don't get time to get into it. You know, my dad's here. We're, we're so glad my dad is still here. Amen. Still hanging out with us. We had a good time today. We've had a great time this week, celebrated his birthday and, and just getting, he hadn't been out here in four years, so we're just having to, you know, keep him out here. He thinks he's got a ticket home. He don't know that we found him a senior living community. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, happy Acres. But, um, but you know, uh, uh, I, 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 you know, I thought from a young age, or I knew from a young age the will of God for my life. I knew God was calling me in the ministry. I knew that. Now, when I got rebellious, and then I made on, my own plans, and they seemed to be going great, but God had other plans. I finally yielded to his plan and got in the ministry and was in a uh, car wreck in uh, 2001. And my dad's here. If you need verification, they get a phone call. You want to see your son alive? You better get out here. We we think we can keep him alive long enough for you to say goodbye to him. And they get to California at Santa Maria and see their youngest son laying on life supports. Died three times. Seeing all of God showing me what he was going to do with my life, he never showed me Santa Maria. He never showed me that car wreck. You you want to and, and I know why, because he's God and he's smarter than me. Because if he would have showed me all this and then that, I'd have said, no, I'll be happy to be a car salesman or whatever I got to do. I am not going through that. None of us would. How many of you right now, standing where you are right now, can look back 
at the stuff you've been through the last few years and say, it's a miracle I'm even here right now. Had God shown me the night I got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, the hell I was going to walk through, I would have never came back to church. Aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad he didn't? But Jesus knew all he was going to go through on this earth. He knew, he said, tear this temple down, I'll raise it up in three days. As Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. And he knew everything he was going to suffer, but he loved us so much that he was willing to go to that cross to suffer shame and rejection for us. Amen. Amen. So look at somebody and say, you're going to make it. If you're going through it, you're, you're, you're going to make it. You're going to come through this. Amen. Now, I told you last week, that I, was going to, that I was going to focus in on this portion of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, let's, um, let's jump down to, uh, boy, it's all so good. My goodness, where do I start? I know where my notes say I should start. Let's go to verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 3 if you're taking notes. If you're taking notes you, and have your notes from last week, I think this is... I think this is where we left off. Is that right, Sister Natasha? Right around here. And we're going to talk about the will of God, but not in, in the context of the will of God as in purpose. But I want to talk to you about the will of God as in impartation. Is that all right? Okay. Good. I was going to do it anyway. I'm just... and, I'm not, and I'm not going to belabor the point because I'm going to hit this and we're going to come back to this in a week or two. We're going to come back and we're really, really going to bear down on this with some legalese and we're going to look at this in even more of a, a, a format um, uh, from a legal perspective but I just want to touch it he says unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ everybody say the unsearchable riches of Christ amen Ephesians 3 now we're going to go to verse 9 Ephesians 3 and 9 and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Everybody say hid in God. Amen. So that tells me that there is a fellowship of mystery from the beginning of the world that God took and he hid it in himself. Isn't that awesome? Look at this. Look at this. Hidden God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians 3 and 10, read, read with me here. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. How many wants the manifold wisdom of God in your life? Amen. God said, ask of, ask, ask of me for understanding or for wisdom, and I will give it to you liberally. Amen. You don't have to be smart to be saved, but you don't have to say dumb and saved. Amen. Being saved means you did a smart thing. Right? But if you were a lost dummy, then you become a saved dummy. Right? Am I in the book? But when you begin to, 
Look, I know some people get saved and they're just so happy they just park their car right at salvation. They never move. God said, come on, there's mysteries hidden in me. There's mysteries hidden in me. You, you, you know, we're going to celebrate the resurrection on Sunday. You'll probably never guess what I'm preaching on on Sunday, by the way. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. But most people I know in Christianity, especially in Pentecostalism, they spend most of their time at the cross. And look, I love the cross, preaching to the cross, singing to the cross. I think you understand that at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Now I'm happy all day. I love all, but I'm going to tell you something. A cross is no place to live. Even Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He went to a grave. He didn't even stay in the grave. He got up out of the grave after three days and three nights. If all we see about living for God is the gore and the blood and the mutilation and the sacrifice and the shame and the humility, you're going to have a hard time having peace and joy in your life. Because all you'll see about Jesus is in living for God is the blood and the sacrifice, the stuff you had to give up, the places you can't go, the things you can't do, the things you... At some point, you got to say, I will cherish the old rugged cross, but show me that empty grave. Amen? And you can't even hang around the tomb forever. You just go celebrate, go skip it. Do what Peter did. He went running. Then he got out of there and then go to the upper room. But you can't live in the upper room. It's a progressive journey. You witness. He said, "In me there is hidden manifold wisdom." All right. He, so he doesn't hide his his purpose for us, but his wisdom he hides for those that are willing to seek it. Amen. Verse eleven, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse twelve, in whom we have boldness. And access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at any tribulations for you, which is your glory. Amen. And so he is now talking about there are tribulations that are coming for you, but in him. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ is hidden, amen, manifold wisdom from God. Now, what is that wisdom for? Well, for one, that wisdom is for knowing the will of God and that being the purpose of God. But the other part of that mystery of the wisdom of God is is knowing our connection to God and our place in the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of times we will get in, uh, in into our walk with God and we'll think, okay, um, uh, I'm, I'm with Christ. I've got the Holy Ghost. And, and I've talked about this. I only want to bump this to make a point. I lost my bookmark. And I'm trying to find this scripture. Here we go. Um, I, 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 I'm following Christ. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm not becoming what God wants me to become as rapidly as I want to become it. Um, we, used to, we say the phrase, we still say the phrase, pray through. You ever, heard, you ever had somebody tell you that? You need to pray through. That's true. You need to pray through. You need to pray through whatever obstacle it is, whatever trial it is, whatever tribulation it is in your life. But also know 
that the Holy Ghost, and again, I know I've said this last few weeks, and every time I feel like we just, people gasp. But the Holy Ghost doesn't change you. The Bible never said it. The Holy Ghost is going to change you. It said it'll give you comfort. It said it'll give you peace. It said it'll give you power. But we, we are expecting God to do what God is expecting us to do. Now, can the Holy Ghost deliver somebody? Absolutely. Set people free from alcohol and drugs. Seen it done. Witness of it. Seen it done in an instant. Well, how come God doesn't do that for everybody? You ever wonder that? You ever tried to kick the habit of nicotine or something like that on your own? That's a big deal. I mean, I've seen people, God deliver people instantly. And some people, it took them a year. You got a dear pastor friend of mine in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and he came to the Lord in Santa Maria uh, at Bishop Key's church. And he was a heroin addict. And he was running with the, uh, uh, the Mexican gangs down there, the, the 408 Locos. And uh, not 408 Locos, what is Santa Maria area code? 801. And or 805, whatever they are in Santa Maria. He's got it tattooed on the back, or his friend that he won has got it tattooed on the back of his head, which, I mean, you got to be high to get a tattoo on your head. And he, God delivered him from, from heroin in an instant. He stayed in church a year and he backslid, got on heroin again. He came back to church, amen, uh, after being backslid for three or four years, and uh, gang banging, and this was in the 80s, and God delivered him from heroin again. God delivered him three different times from heroin, and he backslid three different times. And the fourth time, after being threatened with prison, he was facing prison time. You know, he had jailhouse repentance, but this time it was real, and he came back to God, a heroin addict, and God did not deliver him from heroin. Could you imagine being delivered from heroin three different times? You ever seen anybody go through a heroin withdrawal? I would think you would only have to do it once. Three times, major heroin addiction, hundreds of dollars a day. The, the fourth time he came, and he's praying, and God didn't deliver. I remember Bishop Keys telling me they would go over to the house, and, and they would have to take cold rags and, and put it on his head. And there was, I'm not trying to be gross, but trash cans filled with vomit. He would sweat through the mattress. He would shake. He would tremble. He said you could watch his muscle ripple like waves in the ocean. And he screamed out and screamed, God, please deliver me. And God, after about three days of coming off of this stuff, God spoke to him and said, I did. I delivered you three times. But so that you'll appreciate it, I won't do it again. You'll do it yourself. He had never touched that stuff again. He pastors a great church down in L.A. Amen. So sometimes God will do it in an instant. Sometimes God won't. God knows us. Amen. God knows us. And, and so we think, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. Not everything is changing. Because the Holy Ghost wasn't given to change us. It was given to us to empower us to change. To what does, what does Ephesians 3 um, and, and uh, 10 say? That it's in Him. That we're trying to get in Him. Because in Him is the manifold mysteries. Or in Him is the wisdom. And so I'm using the power of the Holy Ghost to get in Him. Because in Him... There is wisdom. Somebody shout, there's wisdom in God. There is so much wisdom in God. And so now Paul is, is writing and he's saying, amen, that, that you've got to get into this 
fellowship. I love the way that Paul writes that because he's talking to us Gentiles and he's talking about this fellowship that we have and this boldness and this access that we have. And he's talking about this, this fellowship of mystery from which the beginning of the world that had been hidden God who created all things by I want to know and to fellowship the wisdom of God in my life. Listen to me. There is a place in God you can get where there is wisdom. God will give you wisdom on your job. God will give you wisdom for your family. God will give you wisdom for your career. He'll give you wisdom for your health. He'll give you wisdom for reaching the lost. He'll give you wisdom for ministry. He'll give you wisdom for, but it is in him. He is not going to put his wisdom in you until you have put yourself in him. He said, I've invested myself in you. Now I want you to invest yourself in, in me. And then Paul writes, and he says, and Brother Lucas, if you'll come, because this is where we're going to touch down on. Then Paul writes, and he says, I need you to get in me, because in, in God, in me, he says, in Christ, is this fellowship of this wisdom. Amen. How many can say, I need wisdom in my life? How many's got a situation in your life you need God's wisdom in? Amen. Let me say this. Number one, I, I, say, I always say this almost every Bible lesson. It's in the Word of God. How many times have I said, if you get a word from God, if in prayer God speaks to you, what's the next thing you're supposed to do? Go to the Bible. Because if something's speaking to you that's contrary to this word, it ain't God. Remember this. If I preach something that's not in this book, run don't come back run run from this place as fast as you can pray for me but run because we've got to be in the in in the will of god in the word of god now let me say that I, I talked uh, it just bumped it again for some reason i'm I, i'm really feeling like this this uh I, it's not a hesitancy but it's this i want to ease us into this next dimension of god's will and knowing that will of God that is relational as a child of God. Amen. I'm a child of God. The Bible says that I am an heir to the things of God. I mean, I don't think we emphasize that enough, that I'm a child of God. I'm an heir. That means my, my father is the king of glory and I'm his child. I don't, I don't think we, we get that sometimes, how powerful that is that we are the child of Almighty God. And God has set for us an inheritance. Psalms 47 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high, he is terrible. The word terrible there means awesome. Just clap unto the Lord, shout with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most God, he is terrible. He is a great king above all the earth. And then it says, he is choosing our inheritance. So David said, while we are clapping and we are shouting, while we are in that obedient form of worship, God is selecting an inheritance for us. We don't live in the world of inheritance anymore like it was a hundred years ago. You know, they passed down the family heirloom or something. Back in, the, back in Bible times, inheritance was everything. That's how your children's children would succeed in life was through inheritance. We live in a very corporatized and compartmentalized society. Back then, what the father had flowed to his children. His wealth, a 
unfortunately, the debts. Thank God that don't happen anymore, right? You got an Uncle Bob that's a you know, gambler and cocaine addict. Aren't you glad you don't have to pick up his debts? Amen. But the inheritance of God flows to those who are in the fellowship of God. Listen, just because somebody talks in tongues doesn't mean they're in fellowship with God. We got, we got to be very careful as Pentecostals. Because we come in and we start speaking in tongues. And, 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 and all of a sudden, we will let tongues validate sin in our own life. Listen, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've been doing this 23 years full-time now. I have seen this happen. People with sin in their life, and when it comes out, you think, oh my God, they were just dancing and speaking in tongues and prophesying, laying hands on, but they were so mightily used of God. And what they did, rather than using this will and testament called the Bible, that's why it's called a New Testament. Rather than using this, they used an emotion to try to validate where they're living. Amen. God's grace will touch you. His mercy endureth forever. But it's not a validation of where we are. We need to be in fellowship. When the prodigal, when the younger son left, the love of the father did not cease for the younger son. The son broke the relationship with the father. Father never, matter of fact, the father just kept looking for him every day. When he came back, he didn't smack his son in the face and say, you dummy. He fell on him. He kissed his neck. He said, my son who once was dead is now alive. The son had, can you imagine that boy? He had rehearsed that speech all the way from that far land. Emaciated, starving. Daddy, if you'll just let me be a servant, I'll be happy. I don't even need to sleep in the house anymore. I'll sleep out on the porch. I'll, I'll sleep in the barn. I just, I'm so hungry. That boy never even got a chance to, to, to give that speech before his daddy was hugging him and kissing him and saying, welcome home, my child. Go get the robe and the ring and the kill the fatty calf and strike up the band. There's been a resurrection. I thought my boy was gone. What did he do? What did he do? He put a ring on his finger. Put a robe on his hand. I, I don't got time to get into all this. It's more powerful than what we could even imagine. That robe, that ring rather, was a legal binding document declaring he was a rightful heir to what this father had. It, see, the father didn't do it like we do in Pentecost. We have a backslider come pray through. Especially, I remember the way we grew up. Somebody prayed somebody pray back through being back. So we'd make them sit for six months before we'd let them do anything in the church. Sit there and prove yourself. That's not what the prodigal did. That's not what the father did. As soon as that, pro- now listen, if somebody goes to jail for embezzlement, we're not going to let them count the offering the first Sunday back. You got to use some sense, all right? Or if somebody goes to jail for beating their wife and they come back and pray through, we're not going to let them be an usher and in charge of security. You catch my drift? There's some ba- but the father didn't punish that boy, not one time. He put the ring on his hand, put the robe on his finger. You know what the father did? The father did not restore him to the relationship where the son had left off at. Because the son didn't have a ring when he left. 
The father restored him to the place his son would have been if he'd never left. I'm talking about knowing that relation, that inheritance. That son had confidence. My father's got so much that if he would just let me be a servant, I'll be able to live in contentment. You are a child of God. God has a will and testament for your life. Look at somebody and say, God's got a will for my life. He's written a will. It's a legal document right here. I'm almost done. It's written right here in these pages. I'll never forget when we were, I've told this story before, but I've never, I don't think I've ever told it in front of my dad. He don't know how much sermon material he's given me over my life. I tell my wife and daughter, I say, whatever you say and do can or will be used against you in a sermon. I know my dad's never heard me say this, but he gave this material to me when I was a kid. We had moved out there in the middle of nowhere, cutting trees down to make a road to get out there. He took us out in Timbuktu, middle of nowhere, wild panthers and snakes, and had that little camper we lived in until we got the house out there and all this stuff. And it didn't take long. My dad started making that homestead a home. And, and uh, I'll never forget, when we, I was probably about seven or eight when you dug that big old swimming pool. And nobody in that little town had a swimming pool. That metropolis of 416 people had a swimming pool. And my dad built us a swimming pool. I'm sure he could use other things. He'd probably a bass boat or a gold wing, which he'd get later. But, he, I mean, at that time, he wanted to build a swimming pool because we were in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have neighbors. We didn't have nothing. And then the kids at school found out we got a swim, in-ground swimming pool. Not, you know, not the kind you got to put together, but the in-ground kind. That's probably about eight, seven or eight. We filled that pool in with concrete. Of course, we had to, we didn't get to sit and watch it happen. We had to help build the thing. You know, and my skills at eight were phenomenal because that pool is still there. And I remember going to school and telling everybody, we got a swimming pool. Well, rather than the kids being excited for me, they started making fun of me. They started calling us rich. Remember that? So you're a bunch of, you're rich and you're wealthy and blah, 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 blah. You got money. And I thought, really? I mean, somebody needs to inform my dad we got money because he works us like renting mules. I, what I thought, what I thought rich was, you know, that kid on silver spoons, you know, a little train that went through the house. I didn't have that. And I went home, and he may not remember this, but I went home. And I was so just like, because they kept saying we had money. And I, I didn't see the money. I looked at my dad and said, I said, Dad, uh, do we got money? And I'll never forget. He looked at me and he goes, I do. <laughs> you don't. You know what God's saying? I've got everything you need. What did he say in Ephesians 3? He says, we have access to this eternal God. Why? Because we're good? Stand with me. Is it because we're good? Brother Abram, is it because we're good that we have access to this term? No. Is it because we got the right hair color? No. Because we do certain things a certain... No. We have access to him. Why? Because I know the will and testament. And the testament says I've got access.
access to my father. And there is a binding document because he said heaven and earth shall pass away. But my will, my binding document is never going to pass away. He said he is his word. We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks and how that word determines who I am in relation. When I get, by the grace of God, we get done with this series, you're going to stop seeing yourself as just some, you know, just somebody just happened to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to see yourself as preordained from the foundation of the world to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to have access to the eternal God who is more than just the eternal God of the universe. But you know who he is? He's my daddy. He's my father. He knows me by name and I know him by name. Amen. And he adopted me into his family. I was once alienated. I was once an alien concerning the faith. I was the wild vine. I was the one that was cut off. But Jesus loved me so much that he took his own blood and he took his pen and he wrote me in to this eternal will that will never fail. And this will says there's grace there's mercy for any sin amen there's grace for any situation there's hope for any darkness in my life because I am confident as a child of God that I have access to the mystery of the wisdom of God oh hallelujah I feel like I'm talking to somebody tonight who needs some wisdom in a situation in your life I want you to know you, God's got that wisdom. He wrote it in this document. I want you to not for a moment see this as a black bound leather book called a Bible. I want you to see this as a legal document sitting on, it, on an attorney's desk that is opened up. And this document is declaring what God says about you. And how God says he loves you. And, and what he says your relationship is to him. You know what that relationship is? You're, you're, not, you're not just a saint of God. And that's awesome and wonderful. You're not just loved of God and that's awesome and that's wonderful but you need to put your hand on your chest and I want you to declare it I am a child of God if you're a lady say I'm a daughter of God if you're a man say I am a son of God he wrote me into his will and he wrote it in his own blood and he declared that I could have access to him anytime I need him he's only as close as the mention of his name anytime Anytime I need healing, he already gave his back for my healing. Anytime I need peace, he already gave his head for my peace. Anything that I need from him, he wrote it in the will and said he shall supply all my need according. He shall supply all. He didn't say his needs, Sister Nickel. He said he shall supply all. Huh? Say it louder, sis my need not according to my riches brother Garza because my riches my riches could barely finance a stick of bubble gum at Walmart not my riches brother Nate he said he shall supply all my need according to his riches let me ask you something how rich is your daddy I said, how rich is your daddy? We're not even talking about money right now. 
How rich. Well, my Bible tells me. We're going to get into this next week. My Bible tells me he is rich in mercy. My Bible tells me he is full of grace. My Bible tells me he is loved through and through. My Bible tells me he's a God of healing. He's a God of hope. He's a God of light. Amen. That in him there is no shadow of turning. Do you feel the darkness of depression creeping in your mind? You need to open up the wheel and say, no devil, uh-uh. My dad is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And right there it says that there is no temptation that is common to man that he hath not already made a way for me to escape. And I'm not going to fall into your trap because I know the will of God. I don't only know the purpose of God, but I know my relationship to God. Go ahead and lift your hands where you are right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, it's a binding legal document. It's a binding legal document that he loves us, that he cares for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He said you should be the partakers of the promise in the name of the Lord. Whatever you have need of tonight for just a few moments. Amen. If you have a need, if you need a wisdom from God, if you need something, amen, from your Father, I just want you to step to this altar for just a moment on this Tuesday night. And I want you to bring your need to Him. Amen. I want you to bring your need to Him. And I want you to, I want you to quote His will back to Him. I want you to quote his testament, his will and testament, this legally binding, eternally binding document. I want you to lift that need to him and say, Daddy, you said you would supply all my need according to your riches and glory. Oh, Father, I, I can't fix what's going on in my body, but you can. I can't fix what's happening in my finances, but you can. I can't fix what's happening in my marriage, in my home, and on my job, but you can. I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you, Father. I'm asking you, Lord, supply the need according to your riches and glory. I can't pay it off. I can't fix it. I can't counsel my way out of it. Oh, God, but I can put it in your hand. For your testament tells me. Your will tells me. That legally binding contract tells me that you would give peace beyond understanding. That it is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.